Hi, I'm Francine York, and I have very exciting news. I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us on On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak. This is episode 272, and this week we have Francine York joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Now, Francine has been in so many TV shows. She's been in movies. She's worked in six Jerry Lewis films. She worked with Marlon Brando. She worked with Elvis, David Niven. And uh, she's also been on so many TV shows like Lost in Space, Batman from the 60s, My Favorite Martian, Burke's Law, been most recently on King of Queens, and also uh, Hut in Cleveland. And it just goes on and on. She's going to have some great stories for us. She's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, so I hope you're going to stick around for that. And, uh, let's see, before we get into Remake Madness, I want to remind you, we are working on our little campaign called, uh, I don't know what we call it, but uh, (laughs) what I want to do is, before our 300th episode, and this is 272 right here, I want to have over 100,000 people listening in a day to On Screen and Beyond. Now, we've been up to 92,000. Actually, we've increased a little bit here because uh, the last two weeks I've been asking people to uh, get more people involved and listen to the show and go to our website and everything so we can get more more clicks and everything and more people downloading. And I appreciate it. We've had a nice increase, but uh, we're still shy. You know, We're not up there to the 100,000. So I'd like to get 100,000 in a day before... Our 300th episode. Now, I figured that's going to be somewhere in February, probably. So we got we got some time, but I figured it's going to take some time to get the word out and get everybody uh, going on this. So I hope that we can do that. It would be great to be able to tell the publicists that, uh, you know, we have over 100,000 people a day listening to On Screen and Beyond. And it'll help uh, get more people on here. So I uh, hope you'll help us out on that. And if you have a suggestion for a guest here at On Screen and Beyond, just Email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and I will see what I can do about getting that person on for you. So, without further ado, let's get right into Remake Madness, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, William Fitchner is set to play Shredder in the remake of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from Michael Bay. And the remake of 1990's Jacob's Ladder is in the works. And Tim Robbins, if you remember, starred in the original. And on June 26, 2015, you can look for the remake of The Terminator to arrive. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, well, zombies continue to dominate the film world. Arnold Schwarzenegger will star in Maggie. Now, this doesn't sound like a zombie film, but it is. It's listed as a drama that is set during a zombie outbreak. And the Vatican Tapes will star Olivia Dudley and Michael Penna as a woman possessed and a priest who tries to help her out. And a movie called Stretch will feature David Hasselhoff and Ray Liotta. And they're going to be playing themselves in that film. 
That is it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City. Sequel City, well, it looks like Will Smith will not be part of Independence Day 2, but Bill Pullman will return along with Jeff Goldblum. And a sequel to World War Z is in the works over at Paramount Pictures, and you can look for Channing Tatum. He might just be directing Magic Mike 2 as the surprise hit film moves into sequel mode. That is it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming away as far as TV on DVD? We've got it next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV shows on DVD, well, September 3rd, you can look for Parks and Recreation Season 5 to arrive on DVD, and Green Acres Season 3 will land on DVD on September 17th in a four-disc set, and also on September 17th, look for Vegas, the DVD edition, all right, and CSI Season 13, they're both going to hit stores on that date, September 17th. That is it. For TV on DVD, next on On Screen Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? <laughs> movies on DVD. Well, September 10th, The Nightmare Before Christmas, will come to Blu-ray and DVD in a special 20th anniversary re-release. 20 years, can you believe it? I don't know. And Iron Man 3 will hit stores on September 24th, so look out for that. And The Muppet Movie will land on Blu-ray and DVD the original one, on August 13th. That is it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond, we sit down and talk with Francine York. Now, Francine, she's just been in so many TV shows. You might remember her as Linda Limpet on the original 60s Batman show. And she was also on, you know, just show after show after show. She's been in movies with uh, Jerry Lewis, six of them and Marlon Brando, and just so many other things. Francine York, coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actress who has worked with Jerry Lewis in six of his movies, worked with Marlon Brando, Elvis, David Niven, and Nicolas Cage, and on TV she has appeared on everything from Surfside 6, My Favorite Martian, Batman, Lost in Space, Burke's Law, It Takes a Thief, Green Acres, The Wild Wild West, and many, many others. It's Francine York. Francine, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. My God, that's impressive. <laughs> and that's just the beginning. <laughs> I couldn't say all the ones you know, that you've been in. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, but sometimes I look back and I think, my God, did I do all those? <clears throat> I just I, I, had a little bit of a cold, so you're going to have to forgive me at the moment. No problem. Well, you know, I've come a long way from that little girl on the Iron Range who used to sit in the backyard 
and read a photo play in modern screen magazines and dream about being in Hollywood and doing all the class plays in school. And it's like they wrote in my yearbook, well, you're going to go to Hollywood. Well, you know, there I am in this little small mining town that if you blink, you miss the, the whole main street. And every other place is a bar. And the miners come in there from work with all their mining clothes on. And, of course, many of the men back there wanted to marry me. But I said, no way. I am not going to stay up in that northern Minnesota town of Aurora, which my mother always called the end of the world, by the way. And uh, it's, uh, it was an iron, an iron town. They all came there. Uh, my grandparents settled like in 1906 because uh, the, the iron iron ore was the big thing, and they all heard that you know the streets are paved in, in gold in, in America. We must go to America. There's where the money is, or something. My grandpa told me. Anyway, and so I come from good um, uh, where you can't say Yugoslavian anymore because there's no Yugoslavia. But I always say Yugoslavian right. yes. um, roots, and uh, my mother was Serbian and my father was Slovenian, which caused a little bit of problem with my grandmother on my father's side because he didn't, uh, she didn't want my father to marry a Serbian, but my father was so madly in love with my mother. I mean, she was so beautiful. Who could resist her? And he, my father looked like a better version of John Wayne. I mean, they were just gorgeous people. And um, so there I was uh, in, in this little town, and um, I uh, moved to Cleveland, Ohio when I was five. And I did my first play, which was um, Cinderella. Oh. And uh, I was very upset because I wanted to play Cinderella. But I don't know, some of the teachers were a little, had their favorites, but I wasn't this teacher's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> that was her bad luck. But anyway, um, so I played one of the stepsisters. Well, I stole the show. And I said to myself, you know, I really like this. And I wrote a lot of uh, short stories in that, at that time. And, Fairy tales. I was very big on fairy tales, mm -hmm. which later in life I got to play with Shirley Temple, which I'll talk about. And um, but in, in her fairy tale storybook theater, but um, they didn't believe that I had this kind of talent to make up all these things. I think certain people are just born naturally. You know, you either you have it or you don't. You know, it, it, it's something that was so in me. I think when the stars came all together and my parents and the town, it all kind of clicked and there was Francine. <laughs> well, you know, it came out of the room and the light was on and I did my first act, what did I tell you? Oh. But anyway, so um, did all the class plays and won all the declamation contests and they wrote in my yearbook, you're going to go to Hollywood, we all know. Well, there I, well then I was in the um, uh, Miss Everest, which was the uh, town which was near my, my hometown. Uh, for the Miss America contest, not, you know, uh, Miss USA, but the Miss America. Yeah. I was the first one from that part of the country to be in that contest, and I won it. I mean, I, I still remember how I felt when they announced my name, which was really Yerich. And the winner is Francine Yerich. I, the tears were pouring down my face. I mean, to be a winner is like, wow. And my boyfriend at the time reached over to my aunt and said, well, I've lost her. Well, he didn't know that he'd lost me long before that. But anyway, he ended up being a minor, you know, coming with the lunch bucket and all that and, uh, and um, stopping at the bars. And I ran into him years later, and I thought, thank God something told me. Anyway, I um, ended up going to um, Hamlin University for a while, but I didn't like uh, with a scholarship on, on drama and um, uh and uh, journalism. I, I got the scholarship from Ann Simley, who was head of the dramatic department, which when she saw me do um, Our Town, which I had taken the whole play and cut it down to a monologue, she said, you have got so much talent. But I didn't want to have that sort of discipline. I didn't want to, I, I really hated school. I mean, I just, 
didn't want anybody to tell me what to do anymore, and that's how I am. I'm still that way. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. I'll do it my way or the highway. But anyway, so then I, I went to an airline school. I thought, well, maybe if I went to an airline school, I could get out of Minnesota. So I went, <laughs> went to this airline school, and all I learned was RS, RSDNS, which means reservations. I mean, it's very complicated. You have to learn all the codes for the, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the different things and so forth. So I went to work for Northwest Airlines, and all I did was erase all day and look at the clock. And one day the manager said, uh, Miss Yarek, I think you'd be happier without this job. And I said, oh, does that mean I can't be an airline stewardess? And he said, well, not necessarily. Well, I was a failure. That was it. My father said, come home, come home. You know, I'm, I was, um, <clears throat> I did a little modeling there. Then I went to work for Searcher Music Center, and the boss just chased me around the desk. So that was the end of that. Oh, <clears throat> <clears throat> I'm going to this cold. And one day like destiny, that's what I call my entire life, I see an ad in the paper, and it said, wanted sweater models. Well, today, you wouldn't even dream of that in a million years, you know, to um, answer an ad like that. Heaven knows what it could be, right, but yeah. I answered it, and I met these two <laughs> really New York ladies. I had never seen eyeliner and makeup like this. One looked like Ethel Merman, if you can yep. envision that, Brian. <laughs> and so they trained me. To a model of sweater that you could wear in a hundred different styles. So just that following Sunday, I decided to go with my roommate tobogganing, and I was going down, uh, sitting straight forward. Everybody was backwards. <laughs> Lucky me, I hit this big bump, and I went flying in the air about, I would say, six or seven feet and slammed down and ended up in emergency and got a spinal concussion. Ooh, well, at that point, I said to myself, you know, I really had enough of this, this, this city life. My roommate was a total nut. All she did was cha-cha, and she wore this tweed perfume, which to, ever after that, I couldn't stand that smell. And uh, I had to get out of it. I thought, well, maybe I'll go home and go back and work in the restaurant that I you know, was working in high school where all my other kids were going out and playing around. I was working every night after school and on weekends to make extra money, which ironically is now included in my Social Security, Brian. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was nice of them to do that. Anyway, so um, then I, um, I was working in the restaurant, and the phone rings, and it was my father. And my father said, uh, Francine, these women called uh, from New York. They want you for the job. I said, oh, Daddy, I don't want to go. Please don't make me go. I, I, I just want to stay here. And, you know, he said, you go. Well, there's <laughs> destiny coming again, picking me up. The next day I was off to Omaha, Nebraska. I became a businesswoman in one day. Wow. I'd never been on an airplane, threw up all the way, arrived at the uh, black the Blackstone Hotel, and the bus, the, um, what do you call them, the, no, not the busboy, the, um, uh, I know it in Spanish, it's a boutonist, so you know, they takes your luggage. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, he said, ma'am, he said, you look a little green. I was so sick. <laughs> that night, the women took me out for dinner, and there was this black waiter, and, and he, he served a, a, a silver platter over one little piece of, of, of uh, filet mignon and dressed very elegantly. And I never I'd never seen anything like this in my whole life. Mm. I mean, from this little small town, I mean, this was pretty shocking. Right. And then they offered me a martini, and I, <laughs> I said, what is this thing? So, I mean, it was quite a... And then they trained me the next few days, and then I took over in the store. Well, from there I went to 
Denver and New Orleans and St. Louis. I had quite a big adventure in St. Louis. I met uh, Bob Goddard, who was the columnist for the Globe Democrat, and they made me Miss Miss Steeplechase. Um, Henry, I'm uh, not Henry. Um, oh, what was his name? Uh, Harry, uh, um, Harry, uh, Harry. Oh God, I can't think of his name. He had a, a show, and uh, so I met everybody. I met Nelson Eddy. Uh, I met Liberace. I met Liberace's brother. Wow. Uh, I met Pat Hanley, who had, was just doing Pajama Game at the time. All the celebrities came through. Monique Van Voren, who used to drop her dress every night up the, up the starlight roof <laughs> to have her boobs showing. And everybody thought, well, she'd come back to the show the next night so they could see her drop her boobs. <laughs> we all sat around the pool and talking and everything, uh, Monique and I and, and uh, uh, Bob Goddard. Uh, it was quite an adventurous time. I went back there several times, slowly working my way out to the West Coast, ending up in, in Los Angeles, and I was modeling downtown at uh, May Company, and a woman comes up to me and she said, "You know, you're very beautiful. Um, my my husband goes uh, fishing with Sully Biano, who is the casting director at Warner Brothers. I'd like you to meet him." Whoa! I thought, "Holy cow! Is this something?" So I go out there, and he gives me a script, and I was to play an Indian girl because I had black hair at the time. If you recall, Brian, you've seen me with a dark hair, looking yep. Yep. exotic. <laughs> and um, but then my boss in New York, which was not these two women, there was a man whom I never met, said, "Well, he says you don't want to go to Hollywood. I mean, I got big plans for you. You're going to go to San Diego and Sacramento." And like a fool, I said, "Well, okay, but you know, sometimes we make a turn in life." And at the time, it doesn't seem so terrific, but it produces something else. This is a very big thing in, in, in my life, and I think people have to realize this, that good things can come out of sometimes when you think things are, are, are not so good. And so what happened was I went to, to San Diego, was on television for the first time. Miss Yerrick will now rep represent, I was in the newspaper, and my pictures will represent the store, and I'll be there showing the the, the, the sweaters. Mm -hmm. It was a phenomenal sweater. I mean, I did a spiel. You know, I stood up on a box and did a real spiel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, boxes stuff a spiel, right? <laughs> anyway, so um, then I ended up in San Francisco. And I was working at a store that was called the White House, which was a very, I think it's a, probably a CVS or something now. Right. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, um, and I remember going up to Telegraph Hill and I stood up there. I even have the picture of me standing on there. I said, I have to live here. I am going to quit this job. Well, the boss castigated me and whatever. At the time, I had about three dresses and four pairs of shoes. I mean, I, I really had nothing. I had some money because I made quite a bit of money every week, but I, I didn't have anything. I mean, I had no furniture and anything. I mm -hmm. moved into a residence club, started going to a modeling school, and it really wasn't... Um, up to snuff at that point. I mean, I had a long way to go. Um, entered the um, Miss uh, San Francisco contest and uh, was a runner-up and then ended up taking the title because the girl had a nervous breakdown. Uh, Falkenberg was her name. Then I was in the Made of California contest when Governor Knight was governor. And um, my picture was in the paper all the time. I modeled for Macy's. Oh, the day of the <laughs> San Francisco contest, my picture appeared in the... Um, advertising section wearing a bra and girdle and holding <laughs> holding six bra six bras in, in my fingers and I thought, Oh my God, is this gonna hurt me in the contest? You know, they said no. And everybody wanted me, um, except the um scholastic people, um, oh this famous writer, oh God, he, Dwight uh, Dwight uh, I think his name was Dwight Newton. 
he was a big uh, television writer, and he was cr crazy about me. He wrote me up in his column. He said, this girl's got to go to Hollywood. I mean, all the TV people, Terrence Flattery, they all wanted me, but the scholastic people figured she was going to go to college. That's why I really didn't win the contest. I, I uh, gave a reading, which was the same one I gave uh, in the Miss Minnesota, The Day That Was That Day by Amy Lowell, which was two old uh, southern ladies, um, um, and uh, Minnie has just taken some wood alcohol, and Rachel knocks on her door and finds her all kind of lying there with the empty bottle of wood alcohol, and she says, Minnie, child, what have you done? Why have you taken that wood alcohol? Well, my goodness, what is on your mind? And Minnie says, well, you know, Rachel, I'm just so tired. I'm just tired of the same old thing every day of my life, fixing, fixing Pa's bed and cooking his potatoes and whole, you know, slopping, slopping the pigs and, 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 and going out there and getting the, the potatoes out of the ground and all that stuff. I can't just do it anymore. Well, I'll tell you, Minnie Child, that's no reason to. Anyway, it goes on like this between the two, and I were my grandma's old black uh, uh, coat and black stockings and her old lady shoes <laughs> and cornstarch my hair. Well, they just thought that was the greatest. I mean, it was quite a quite a thing to play the two women and to be completely believable in e either part. You know, I could still do the whole routine. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> so um, that just started. Then I saw, I became like a pretty well-known model. Then I saw an ad in the paper. Aha, destiny came again. Hmm. And it was for showgirls. And I thought, well, I could model in the day and I could work at night. And so I went and auditioned at Bimbo's, <clears throat> which is a very, a very famous. They had the girl in the fishbowl, and it was a very famous place. I think it's still a, a nightclub of some kind, but it was uh, owned by, we, we called him Old Man Bimbo. I think he, he obviously had another name. but um, <laughs> And, um, in fact, ironically, in 1976, I went back there after I, of course, come to Hollywood, and I starred with Carl Malden in Streets of San Francisco, and where did we shoot it but Bimbo? Really? You don't think that was something, and old man Bimbo says to me, Ah, Francine, I always know you're going to be a bigger star. You are my most a pretty girl. Every time I see you there, I say, She's going to go to Hollywood. I mean, can you imagine how I felt? And then also, I um, shot a thing called uh, Superstar with... Um, George Dunza and uh, what was his name, uh, Sorvino, and up at Coit Tower. Mm -hmm. And yep. I had played an extra up at Coit Tower. My a woman at um, the uh, White House, uh, the White House the department store, she kept pushing me. You gotta go. You gotta go. And uh, uh, Ruta Lee was starring in it at the time. Now Ruta and I are very good friends. Really? And yeah. I and I end up going to Coit Tower and shooting this thing uh, called the, uh, the Blue blue Velvet Scarf. I was murdered on, 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 at Coit Tower. But I, I did three streets of San Francisco. I kept going back to different spots and, and everything. But it was quite ironic, you know, how life kind right, of yeah. works out, you know. It, but at the time, of course, that I was working at Bimbo's, three shows a night for $85 a week. Can mm. you imagine that? Because yeah. my rent was like $55. Oh, and... Um, I didn't have much time to date or do anything. We'd go to the Papagaya room at the Fairmont, and Al Williams ran the place, and he said, Francine, you should go to Hollywood. I have a friend there, Sully Biano. He should meet you. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow Sully Biano's name kept coming up. But anyway, I'm, uh, there I was at Bimbo's, and I, there was a beautiful singer. Her name was Mary Mead French, and uh, she was married to Ted Gruya, who wrote Flamingo, the song that... Um, Flamingo, da 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 da. You know the song. Mm -hmm, yep. Anyway, um, 
she was divorced, of course, from him. And she and I became friends, and uh, she said, if you'd like to come to Hollywood. So her manager met me, and he said, I'll send you down. So I packed up my bags, and there I was in Hollywood. And what was I going to do? Well, first he was going to bring me to Billy Gray's Bandbox, which was, now it's a strip club. It later became uh, Slate Brothers. Uh, Henry Slate ran the place. He was very well known in the on the industry, and all the guys would go there, Sinatra and everybody, you know, everybody who was anybody. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but this was uh, still Billy Gray's bandbox. <laughs> I was to play uh, Josephine and Billy Barty. You know Billy Barty? Yes, yeah. And he was going to play, <laughs> Billy always told me about that, he was going to play Napoleon. <laughs> and I was to pick him up and put him in a crib. <laughs> oh, oh, I love Billy so much. He was a sweet guy, so I'll never forget that. But then the manager, uh, David Brenauer, said, Now, Francine, I want something better for you. Well, what was the better? Frank Sennis, Moulin Rouge, is proud to present the new and exciting review. It was the Moulin Rouge Club, which used to be the Earl Carroll Club, which was very famous. And I became a showgirl there. Hmm. Well, that was the beginning. I um, uh, did, you know, three shows a night. We did jungle numbers. We had um, pigeons uh, dropping their things all over <laughs> us. We had horses on the stage, and we'd step into their, their dong, ding dong. And then we had elephants on the stage. I mean, it was really quite a... It was, quite it was, glamorous, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was quite a show. Ironically, the other night I was watching The Imitation of Life with Lana Turner, and um, you can see me. They came to Moulin Rouge, and Susan Conner was running away from her black mother. Do you remember that movie? Mm, yep. And so she decides to join the show. So you see me just going around in the circle. I said, there I am, there I am, 1958. Oh, my God, I had a long way to go. <laughs> and the Mills Brothers were performing there. I got to meet all the Mills Brothers. And Jerry Lewis was performing. I go pop out and look, and uh, um, what, what's his name? Um, Sammy Davis. Oh, my God, I, I, I could peek up on the balcony and watch all these stars. Little did I know that only a few years later that I would be working for Jerry Lewis. I met a photographer, and he kind of got me around town, and Sidney Skolsky wrote me up, and I started meeting people. And I went to acting class, and um, I went to Jeff Corey's class, and while I was there, um, a German producer came in, and he said, you'd be perfect for a movie that I'm putting together called Secret File Hollywood. I mean, you've heard of that one, right, Brian? That, yes, yeah, I've read about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't call it a B picture. I'd call it a Z picture, but I was <laughs> brilliant. I mean, I'd never been in front of a camera. I was a blackmailer, and uh, I, I look at that, and I thought, my God, I handled it with such poise. But see, I had done theater, actually, in Minneapolis, and, of course, all this stage mm -hmm. work. I, I didn't have any problems, you know, hitting my marks. That's what I did. And nobody ever believed I was never in front of a camera. So now it's become kind of a cult film with Robert Clark. And um, it's, um, it was, and then the ironic part of that is we premiered this picture in my hometown. Oh, jeez. <gasps> I got headlines. Actress comes to hometown to premiere first movie. They met me at the airport with the band. Every store had welcome home Francine. I spoke up at the school and I got on the stage and I said, well, this is where it all happened. And you could have heard a pin drop in the audience. I'm sure. I mean, the principal said we have never heard the students as quiet. And one of the kids came up and said, boy, Francine, if you can do it, so can I. And it was a, I'm really good at that kind of thing, is encouraging people to keep fighting for their career because I'm, I'm a proven uh, uh, quantity in that case, but um, 
it was really something. And one teacher who was going to flunk me in the sixth grade, because we had come back from Cleveland, and, um, uh, you know, the, the cities are not as up as small towns are teaching. And small towns are much more thorough. So I, and I was a rebellious kid in the sixth grade. I mean, you know, you paint the Indian red, I painted them green. <laughs> the, the, don't put gum under your, under your uh, desk, I put gum under I, You know, a little bit. You know, a little bit cocky, I yeah, would say. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, so she was going to flunk me. My mother came up to the school and talked her in, out of it. Well, who invited me and my mother when I had the premiere to her house for tea? Now, she was from <laughs> England, and she says, Oh, my dear, we're just so proud of you. You were just one of my best students. Oh, yeah. we just thought, we were just so thrilled. And my mother and I were going, <laughs> we were laughing when she went in the kitchen. I mean, those are the kind of things that make things worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and my, 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 um, English, my um, typewriter, the one who was teaching me how to type, she used to hit my hands with a ruler. She said, oh, I'm so proud of you. And she was hugging me and everything. I thought, you, B-I-T-C, yeah, she gave me the yeah. hardest time in school. <laughs> Only two teachers there were really encouraging for me, my Miss Lodgard, my English teacher, and um, Mrs. Rice, she, she made me editor of the... Uh, the uh, uh, I, I would write short stories every week for the newspaper. Very interesting stories and very different. She she also was encouraging to me. So anyway, um, there I was, um, you know, in 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 San Francisco, and um, then coming down to L.A. and going to the school, doing Secret File Hollywood. Then Jerry Lewis came along, and I had a couple of agents named Snitzer Fritchie. They sounded like a <laughs> It sounded like a, 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 a comedy team. And Lou Snitzer was something. You know, those days agents would go around to the studios. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, you know, they, they'd schmooze and then go to lunch and uh, say, hey, look, I got this girl. Not like today. Everything, the Internet is just it's right. crazy. It's so different today, Brian. It's just, sure. I think it's ridiculous myself. But what are you going to do? Can't fight City Hall. I um, anyway, so he got me to Jerry Lewis and Eddie Morse, casting director, who just adored me. Eddie was my big champion. A lot of casting directors really liked me because I was, I was very, um, you know, I had a, a wonderful, which I still have a bit of it, this kind of a naivete thing. You know, it's like a, and they just liked me, and so they, I, I went to meet Jerry. I'm nervous. My knees were knocking, and um, I had lost my watch, and he called a secretary and got me a watch. And I said, why would you do that? Wow. He said, he said, you know, he said, um, well, it's really very selfish. When you do something nice for somebody, it really makes you feel happy. Huh. I quoted that particular thing. I did a, a documentary for um, It's Only Money. I said, why did you call me? Everybody else is dead. <laughs> anyway, and I said that there's only all these comedians out there, the Sandlers and whatever, um, there's only one Jerry Lewis, and yeah. that's how I feel about him. Yeah. I, I mean, he's my champion. You know, six pictures. And oh, yeah. um, he, he, the last one I did, of course, was Cracking Up, which I played a French marquise from the 15th century. And I had gone up to the office, and he said, can you do Fractured French? I says, mais oui, je casse le vendu du jambon. And then he went, on train nous jambonquer. And, you know, we just made it up. He says, get out of here. You got the job. Yeah, I like the part. I, was. I like the part where they... You th- get thrown into the air and, <laughs> and oh, you, you yeah, yeah. Well, you know that was like taken from uh, uh, what was a uh, you know the he ends up in prison like the Count of Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm, yep. And uh, it was really a very funny picture, and I thought, boy, this is really going to make me. This is really. And Jerry was very very nervous while he was doing that. He was smoking a lot, and he was with his now wife. 
And we had never seen that, you know, with somebody hanging on the back of him, and he was smoking. And that right after that, he had his heart attack and everything. Yeah. And, um, but the thing was, um, I remember when we got in the coach, we were up on the hill, and he said, seems like we stood and talked like this before. And it was like no time had passed, you know, that we had, that from that first day that he had done. And uh, I know later I ran into him at the um, Director's Guild. Oh, I also went backstage when he did uh, Damn Yankees. And we were waiting out in the back, and um, the man came out and said, Sorry, folks, uh, Jerry's not going to see anybody. He says, Francine, he says, you wait, you wait. So I waited, and uh, he let in um, um, Connie Stevens and me, and, why do, uh, you know, his good luck charm, um, mm-hmm. what's her name? You know I mean. She was in every picture. I have a block about her name. You know, uh, um, oh. anyway, the three of us went in. And Jerry looked at me and he made the sign of the cross because I hadn't seen him for a long time. <laughs> like, oh my God, you look so good. So and was later, he? I got a. Was he funny on set? Jerry? Yeah. Was he funny? You know, did he joke around a lot when he was on set, or was it strictly business? Yeah, he uh, he did a lot of lot of joking. If he was directing, though, there wasn't so much of that going on. But he was the first one, you know, to have one of those um, of those TV uh, those, those monitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, he loved gadgets. Um, he had, when I did um, Disorderly Orderly, he had a room full of gadgets. His wife said he got you know warehouses full of gadgets. But he, Jerry's a genius. He really he really yeah. is a very smart guy, and really good looking. I mean, he you know played all of that kind of characters and all that sort of thing, you know, and all yeah. that. But he was he was a very handsome guy, very handsome. Anyway, that'll be in my book. Uh, oh, yeah. are you are you writing a book? Are you writing? Oh, yeah. You are? I'm, I'm trying to get the thing together now. I, I haven't decided what I'm going to call it. I was going to call it the, uh, um, what was I going to call it, The Adventures of a Doll, or I was going to call it, uh, um, uh, well, I couldn't call it The Iron Lady because they use that, but, right. or The Girl from the Iron Range, to, Iron Range to, but I, 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 I was going to do like uh, something of a doll because of Doll Squad, you know? Yeah. And of course, that was the big picture for Ted Michaels. Uh, you know about that one, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Elvis Presley came along, which um, I worked for about six weeks. At, we shot it at Paramount. It was United Artists Pictures. Were you excited and, um, to be on, on set with Elvis? You know, it was, yeah, just kind of um, almost um, a surreal. <laughs> Were you a fan of his music? I mean, there you are with Elvis, and there he is snuggling up to me with with, uh, you know, in that scene with the arrow. And I had another scene, which they cut out, which I was very upset. But um, I, I get to work with uh, Norman Turok, who really liked me. They used me in the ad. I got a, a free trip to um, Graceland in 08, and they paid for everything. And I was in, in uh, inside in the house, and there was my poster, and I took pictures of everything there. I signed autographs at the convention, and we, we, were, we, we, got, we pulled up to uh, Graceland in, um, in limo, just a few of us. It was a, you know, just a private tour. It was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, and it was sad because I find right now I can't, I can't watch him in movies. I get very sad. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was so vital and so beautiful and kidding around on the set. And he said, "You're really pretty. You're going to go far." And, and then Norman said, "Can you do this scene again?" He said, "Shucks, I could be like this all day." <laughs> and uh, just as nice and as kidding with the girls and. Uh, um, <clears throat> I couldn't say enough nice things about him. I, I think he had the wrong people around him, in my opinion. They wanted to keep him in a, in a high state or something because yeah. he was giving them, buying them cars and doing everything, you know. And 
it's it's a sad commentary. And when I was in Graceland and I saw his clothes and everything, and then the monitor, and he's looking so beautiful in the very clothes I'm seeing in these cases, and he's singing, and I'm in his house, and he's dead. It is a very, very hard feeling. And you go in the back where he's buried, and oh, even now I think about it. I just, it's, I, I photographed everything. I have all the, I, I, I was photographing not only camera-wise, but I, I was a one-woman <laughs> photographer. <laughs> Make sure I, I, I had the whole memory of the whole trip, because it was something. Um, and, you know, they paid for everything, which was great, the hotel and yeah. all the extras. And yeah. That was my thrill out of Elvis. I think uh, people everywhere all over the world, you mention Elvis, and, and oh, yeah, 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 we know Elvis, oh, Elvis, yeah. yes. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Lanner Turner or uh, Clark Gable or anybody. No, no, they don't know him, but Elvis, Elvis, they know Elvis. Yeah. And Marilyn Monroe, I think. And, you know, I, did you well, see you, my Marilyn Monroe you, clip, I was, by the way? I was going to say, you played Marilyn Monroe. And uh, how how was it playing a person? Did you watch a lot of her films to try to get it down? Because you had it nailed. I mean, you, yeah. you did a great job <laughs> you know, with You know that. what I wanted to do? I didn't want to do a caricature. I wanted to play her kind of in the... And that sadness. I, because at this point, you know, if she was put in that institution, there was a... I mean, my God, she's locked up, and they, and they dope her up. And that's why I put on that little baby doll outfit. I did a lot of rewriting because uh, uh, originally this script. See, what it was, it was a movie that they had already done, and they interspersed, uh, or they, they, I guess you'd call it, this Marilyn thing, um, uh, Phil Jordan. You've heard of Phil Jordan. Phil Jordan had a studio in, um, in Spain, which, ironically, I shot the George Papard movie, Cannon for Cordoba, and, it was called um, Studios Roma at the time I was there, but uh, he did it with, um, oh, I don't know, they got in some kind of trouble. I mean, you know, Jordan always got himself in trouble. He was, he'd get other people to do his scripts and everything, but he, he uh, let me do all the writing. I was amazed. I mean, I, I wanted to make her uh, from the soul. I didn't want to make her a caricature like everybody else seems to kind of, you know, right. pounce around in their dresses and do all that kind of... I wanted to bring out her sadness and her inability to realize that she was Marilyn, and, and that's what that, that was kind of about. It wasn't, you know, the biggest picture and all, but just to get a chance to, and I really worked on it. I mean, I really, I practiced on my family, on everybody, and every time I go to a party at someone's birthday, I do my happy birthday with Marilyn. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to criticize anybody else's performance, but I, I just don't think anybody's really gotten her. And, and Not that I was 100% perfect, because now I look at it and I think, gee, I could have done this, I could have done that, but mm. at least I got an edge on it, you know? I, oh, yeah. I, I think I did. You yeah. said you agreed. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, when I, you know, listening to it, and you, and you had that whispery voice, and it, 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 just, it was just so, so good. <laughs> Uh, well, I, yeah, it, there was a lot of effort put into that. I wish it was a bigger and better picture and all that. But, you know, I, I, I've been told, and this is not a, 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 a bragging thing, I'm just that I always make every picture look better than it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the story of my life. I mean, why can't I, you know, I get in a big, good picture and, you know, make it, I don't know. But anyway, so um, from there, and, you know, the other pictures with Jerry, and then, of course, came Lost in Space, which was... Um, 
Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about the TV work that you've done. And like I was saying when when I was introducing you, you have been almost in every classic TV show that that there has been. And in even you know even now you're still doing. You did the King of Queens. You did Las Vegas. Um, you did uh, the Hut in Cleveland. But uh, yeah. I, I'd like to name a couple of the shows and you give us your memories of how it was to be on that show. Um, recently, well, Lost in, Lost in Space was quite an experience. Um, yeah, tell us about I, that one. What? Tell us about that one. We we've had a couple of the yeah. the, the people from the show uh, on on our show, so it'd be interesting to hear what you thought about that. Oh, I just love everybody. But at first, <laughs> the um, Irwin called the cast the goons. Really? <laughs> Merrily, yeah. He he came uh, called me and he said, "Are oh, the goons bothering you?" Well, they had a way of in, of intimidating some of the stars. You know, the, you know, when people get on a show after a while, they get little, you know, they get a little nutty. I don't know. It's like something happens to you. You get sort of uh, off the wall a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, that's battery. The um, Junie did something <laughs> when I got up there and started harking to this, you know, and. She mouthed uh, the F word to me, and um, <laughs> later when I came out with a um, um, a um, uh, suit of armor, which they originally were going to put on me, she drew nipples on it with a red marking pencil, and then later she came up to me and she poked my boob and she said, oh my God, that's you. She thought I'd put the armor underneath. Oh, and anyway, we ended up eating um, uh, there's, uh, like ice cream cookies in her dressing room, being very good friends. And, of course, Bob May and I became just tremendous friends. I adored Bob. I was very saddened when he died. Yeah, the no robot. I never wanted anyone to know who was really in the, in the uh, uh, who was the robot, you yeah, know. Yeah, and, um, and Billy Moomy, oh, we're still in contact. I mean, he was just a sweetheart. Uh, Ezra Stone, <laughs> Irwin had Ezra come to my house and, and rehearse me. And I, my scepter was, you know, Ezra's umbrella on me worked, but Ezra said she doesn't need any help. She, not, she you know, I, I played the queen when I was a little girl back in um, uh, Cleveland. My girlfriends were my slaves and I was the queen. And the hose winder was always the thing that spun out my beautiful material for my gowns. I mean, I was always the queen, no matter what. And later I went to do um, uh, the Jason of Star Command. And when I went to the casting director, he said... <laughs> He said, can you play the queen? I said, I am the queen. Isn't that the height of conceit? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> you know, if you got it, you flaunt it. Hmm. What about uh, uh, Batman? That was a, a, you know, you were oh with Roddy McDowell. Was that, was that ever fun? That was like, ironically, um, the director, uh, the producer was, um, uh, wait a minute, Joe, um, oh, my brain just went out. I worked for him at Warner Brothers. I did all the Warner Brothers show. Um, Oh, he liked me. He was a sweet guy. He was one of them at Warner's that didn't come after me. I got my book's going to tell a lot about Warner Brothers. I'm going to finish off a few people there. <laughs> Stories that have never been told. It's going to be a very exciting book. I have a story of Warner Brothers that's going to just oh boy, and I know it's true because I, I was there. You were there. That's right. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, what were you asking me again? I go uh, about the, the Batman shows that you are. Oh. Uh, yes, well, Ronnie McDowell was just absolutely, I couldn't believe it. I'm working with Ronnie McDowell. I mean, I remember seeing him in all those uh, yeah, White Cliffs of Dover, right, or the, yes. all those wonderful uh, Lassie Come Home and all those things. With the, I mean, I was actually working with him. And l later he did a, um, uh, a documentary. In fact, I just found the paper where I signed uh, 
it, that they could use my clip from uh, from the Batman show on his documentary. And they asked him, what did you like the most about uh, the show? And he said, my partner, Francine York, which I thought was wonderful. We worked so beautifully together. Hmm. And uh, our, that show was the only one that only had one girl on it. There was one in the beginning, which you saw in the distance, but the others had like four or five girls, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So Lydia Limpet has kind of got now that now interesting story. You know that purse that I had when we're on we're on top of the uh, cookbook, and he slaps my hands. I'm looking in the mirror in, the, in, the, in this which looked it looks like a book, but it was like my purse. That happened to be a cookie box. Oh really? And I had I had bought these cookies a while back from um, a, I think they were Swedish, a, a Swedish or Scandinavian. Somehow they always made those cookies. And I actually bought two of them, and uh, little did I know later when I sold one uh, at 150, I could have gotten probably a thousand. Heaven knows where it is now, but that was my completely my idea, and to carry that around. So you can, it's, it's quite uh, uh, prevalent. Uh, you know, you can see it in that scene, hmm. um, in in the cookbook thing. But he and I worked together. We had a lot, of, of course, stealing the the Batmobile and then using the lorgnettes. I kind of thought that would be funny, so I said, "Can I?" Can I do a little shtick with Lornette's? To, she was trying to be intellectual. You know, she was trying so hard right. because she wanted to keep up with him, and he kept putting everybody down. Now, Robin, uh, Burt Ward, I adore him. I, to this day, I love him. I mean, when we do the autograph shows, I have a picture of myself sitting on his lap. In fact, you can see it. It's on my uh, Facebook. And, um, but, you know, the, 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 the people didn't like him, the, the, the um, crew. And they were happy when he got when his um, tights chafed his legs. You know, he would get chapped legs from the tights. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see anything um, bad on him. I mean, the two of them were just great. When they took me, <laughs> they took me to the uh, bat cave to give me bat gas. Mm-hmm. That was, in fact, a Post magazine wrote that part up. They have a picture of me in the in the bat cave. And they said, give her some more bat gas. <laughs> and I'm like, you really had to be there. I mean, we couldn't get that line out. We were laughing and laughing and laughing. Every time I see the guys, I think it's been like, it was two years ago we did the show, the autograph show, and we, I, I recall that to them, and we started laughing so hard. I mean, that was really funny, you know, the bat gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> give her some more bat gas. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, to be in the actual uh, Batmobile, I mean, wow. You oh, know, yeah. that. The Batmobile. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like you know, uh, and ev- everybody wanted to be on that show. Oh, yeah. Everybody. I mean, g- getting on that show. I mean, the tremendous stars they had on it. I mean, it was. Uh, they had all. They had hoped to bring you know the uh, the characters back, uh, both of us. But then I I think uh, the show was soon after canceled or so. I don't know. They should have brought us back. Yeah. They yeah. certainly should have brought him back because he was he was just. Brilliant. I mean, every little thing he did, um, I think truly it was one of the finest, because uh, he made this character so real. Mm-hmm. I mean, you thoroughly believed him, and that's when you're playing a character like that. You, uh, no matter what you're doing, you've got to be believed, even if it's so far off the wall. Well, you know? look, look at when he played um, uh, an, an ape in Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, right, you, right. Believed, I mean, you believed yes, his character, yes, his role. He was, I don't think he ever got enough accolades for everything that he's ever done, you know. I saw him at the Moshe Picture Academy a short while before he died, and, and uh, we kind of had a hug and so forth, and I felt really bad. I, I just think he just shouldn't have died at this point, but, you know, the Lord giveth and he taketh away, mm-hmm. but um, I look at my wall. I have a wall of 
hallway of pictures, and I go, I see dead people. <laughs> Even John Philip Law. And there's, there's the only one that's alive is um, Nicolas Cage, mm -hmm. Bob Hope. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, even uh, Matlock have just died. Andy and, Griffith, uh, yes. And uh, yeah, Andy Griffith and uh, Marlon Brando and uh, uh, and uh, David Niven and I mean, it's like uh, <laughs> it's a wall of dead people. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. And um, what's his name? Christopher Hewitt from uh, Mr. Belvedere. That was an interesting thing because um, they hired me for one, and I played that Brooklyn lady. So I says to my ex, I said, Lou, the minute the ink is dry, you know, and I found out when I went back for the second one that that was when that show ran, the whole studio, the whole uh, uh, department was going around every day going, so I says to my ex, I said, Lou, it, it got to be a gag line. I have no idea it was so popular. So they brought me back a second time, and I played another Brooklyn girl, and, you know, I like... I never played a Brooklyn girl before I did that show. I just, the accent popped in. I went in at 5 o'clock for the interview, and they called me at 5.10. I got the part. So the second one, I, the special today is pork chops. And uh, then they, the, the producer came down. They said, we're going to put you in the third show, and they canceled the series. Mm -hmm. So that was that. And um, Mama's Family, I played Grandma Francine. That was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, the um, a Wild Wild West, that's an interesting story. Because uh, when I went in to meet Alex Nichol, the director, he said, uh, you know, uh, we're trying to protect our star because, uh, well, you know, he's not very tall. So the next day he called me back and he said, I've just read 40 girls. You've become the shortest girl in town. Because I had, if you're familiar with the episode, The Night of the Pelican, mm -hmm. um, I, I run Alcatraz Prison Infirmary. And he puts himself in there to find out what's going on. They're shooting uh, rockets at at, uh, at um, Alcatraz. They're shooting rockets to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, I um, I had to be very strong, and it was really a great part. And Bob says, "How come you haven't done this before?" In fact, he has a radio show now, and I've done a couple. He promised to send a car for me next time. He he was just thrilled. He called me up and said, "How come I didn't come and say hello to him at the autograph show?" When I got up there, he was already gone. What about Hutton Cleveland? That's a very recent so. Yes, you know what was interesting. Um, you know, I've always wanted to do this Maggie Smith thing. So I saw all these different girls come in for this part. I said, you know, if I don't knock this one off because um, my um, lines is. Um, like the many harlots before you, you will not be missed, my dear. And there was another, two or three other great lines, and they cut them out. I was so furious. I thought, this part's going to really, do you know how many, if I could tell you the names that came in for that part. I mean, it was like <laughs> one after the other. But I know when it comes to an English matriarch that I'll, I'll knock it off, because that's my, one of my favorite things to play. I hope I get to play but you know, it's really, and then I, when I got the aunt on um, Bucket and Spinner's Epic Adventures, which didn't last very long, but, uh, you know, the elegant, elegance is what I can phone in, you know. Mm -hmm, I yeah. mean, that's kind of the thing. Um, or uh, over-the-hill sex pots like on uh, King of Queens. Yes, yeah, that, that was a good, you did. They, that, that was a who's who. <laughs> that was good. And um, <clears throat> I, um, I had... Um, um, and they decided to bring me back a second time and make my character Evelyn. And they wanted somebody tall who still looked good and appealing. And you know, there's, there's, you know, I shouldn't say not many out there, but <laughs> the ones that they brought in, oh boy, and and they were big names. So 
<laughs> I um, they said, well, nobody does it like Francine. That's what they told my agent. So, hmm. and then uh, ironically, when I got the um, when I got the, the um, Las Vegas, I thought, wow, guest star on that show. That was pretty nice. I wasn't supposed to get to other to other people, and um, but the the guy had had a nervous breakdown and he couldn't do the part, so they hired me, hmm. and it was really great show to be on and it was kind of a kick because did, did you see my, me on the show i've seen that show yes yeah yeah well <laughs> my great line was wonderful wonderful my husband had taken um viagra and we got this room and we were making too much noise so they kept moving us to a different room and they didn't say that uh they kept oh, oh this is a great thing and you know you get these wonderful robes and you can take them home and, we, and then we give you this and you can go and gamble and trying to just be nice so we would get away from the main crowd because <laughs> i was i was screaming like a wild woman since he took those blue pills. <laughs> oh, my God, that was funny. <clears throat> now, Francine, what would be the most, I don't know if you want to call it unusual or funniest audition that you've ever had to do? The funny, uh, funniest audition that I ever had to go on? Oh, my. Well, I, you know, I, uh, I almost think it was um, when I went in for... Um, Jason of Star Command, because I went in, you know, dressed up with a crown on my head, you know, to play Medusa and mm-hmm. yeah. with a slinky outfit and uh, trying to uh, prance around like the queen and stuff. I mean, it was hysterical. I walked down the street, you know, in my outfit. Everybody's looking at me like I was crazy. Um, I mean, oh, well, even um, what was far out was Mr. Belvedere, because I had never done a Brooklyn accent. They said, can you do it? I always say, sure. Well, also, when I went to Spain, to do um, the uh, Cannon for Cordoba. They asked me, can I belly dance? I said, sure. So I, I went and took belly dance lessons and choreographed my own number and all that and, and um, showed them in the office, and they said, you're hired. So, hmm. I mean, I, I never say I can't do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only if I have to swim. I have to turn that down because I don't swim. Really? But, really? Um, well, you know, and then I played a lot of, uh, when I did Bedtime Story, I went in for that one, and... Um, they said uh, that they'd brought me in for the model. I said, no, I came in for the Italian girl. They said, you speak Italian? I said, si, io conosco solo pochi paroli mi manca la pratica. Ah, you got the part. So I uh, translated some of the English into Italian, and they were going to put me under contract, the MCA. And they came down, they said, they were very excited about you. And um, uh, it, But the contracts were over. Thank you, Black Towers and... Uh, all that stuff. I mean, I came in at the edge, you know, just at the edge of everything. Mm-hmm. But um, Brando was terribly insecure. Uh, he got drunk the last day of shooting, and I went over to shake his hand, and I said, uh, Marlon, I want to shake your hand goodbye. And he says, well, you know, you're not really shaking my hand. He says, you're shaking vodka and makeup. I said, but the most important thing, Marlon, is your hand. He says, you're right. And David watched me do 20 takes with the uh, Brando, and I came down from this uh, kind of a high-rise thing with a scrim in the background, which was Italy, at a railroad station, and I came down, and David said, Francine, he says, you're like the, rock of Gibraltar. He says, you go on and on and on. Uh, David, what, what a doll. Oh, my God. Talk about joie de vivre. That man sparkled. He just sparkled. Really? I am so thrilled. And I thought of myself as a kid seeing Withering, Weathering Heights, and now I look at Turner Classics, and I see Red Skelton. I worked with him. And then I see another one. I worked with him. I worked with him. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's just amazing. And hmm. I, I think 
that girl in Minnesota, and, and some of that still sticks in me. I, I have to pinch myself sometimes because it's, it's like I did it. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, yeah, jeez. No, well, I mean, I really did it. And how many people have come out here and have just ended up uh, heaven knows where? Right. Um, I took the wrong road. Uh, I kept myself straight and narrow. I never got involved in any of that ridiculous stuff and wild parties and nightclubs and drinking and dope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mother always said, be a good girl. And I always listened to my mother. You know, I, th- <laughs> I think, um, and, and, and being nice to people when you work. You know, I, you get more with honey than you do with honey than you do with vinegar. I don't believe in right. acting like the star. People who meet me sometimes can't believe that I'm like I am because I'm just, you're like a real person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're real. I said, yeah, well, I am. People want to pinch me. I'm real. But they don't expect you because so many are so snobby and so uppity. And but don't you know who I am? You know, they right. go in the store and they make a big thing. Yeah. I get things done in my own little subtle way, just the same, but I do it in a nice little way. <laughs> right. Well, Francine, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Uh-huh. Okay, it's going to take us away from all your acting and your career and everything. Right. It's, it's more of a personal side of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you sit down and watch TV, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? Well, of course, I, I love, I, I'm a big history buff. And I love the Borgias. I mean, I just am, I know everything about the Borgias. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love anything historical. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I watch the um, Game of Thrones. And I love Homeland. Oh, I think that is the best. I, I don't watch too much of regular uh, ABC, NBC, and all that stuff. Oh, I loved, I just loved the Base Motel. I, I think that, uh, the, uh, what's her name, Vera Farmingia, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can't pronounce her name is wonderful, wonderful. I think she's got my vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much of the stuff on TV is... Over. You know what's wrong, Brian, with, with everything in the industry today? I went to see Superman the other day. OMG. I mean, this is not Superman the way we knew it. I know. I, mean, I, I feel the same way. And, huh? I feel the same way. <laughs> oh, my. I, you know, I, I, I felt I was being tortured for two hours, and I'd gone with somebody else. I got up and walked around and came back, and I said, how many... How, how much longer? How much longer? I mean, it was torturous, and I'm sorry, but the leading man is not macho enough for me. He's not. He's not. He's not Superman. Um, you know, I remember how it used to be, and and and, and every preview, every preview was the end of the world. Everything yes. was killing. <laughs> every television show is now killing, and women mutilated. Dexter, I think, is atrocious. I watched it a couple times only to, to because uh, I was up for some parts. And uh, which one role was I was a woman shopping at a thrift store, and I find this wig, which I think is a wig, and I pull it up, and it's a, it's a, there's a head on it. Oh, I mean, horrible. I mean, I can't say I watch Turner Classics. Yeah. And yeah. they have stories. I'm sorry. These people are. And, oh, I'm going to tell you about Lone Ranger. <laughs> Army Hammer. Do you want to hear my Army Hammer sure, story? Sure, sure. Go ahead. I am announcing this to the world. I coached him when he was 10 years old for Home Alone. Really? Uh, they came to me uh, through a friend. Uh, he, uh, they, they lived in the Cayman Islands, and I literally babysat him for a day. Little Army Hammer. This is, <laughs> well, he's like 26, so figured he was 10 years old. Yeah. And his mother had me babysit him because she wanted to go shopping, and I was coaching. He didn't get the part. And all of a sudden, he's this big star. Now, I don't know. I... I I saw the previews, and I'm not sure. And, and Tonto, that's not Tonto. I, I know. That's and, a thing. 
It's it's not the Lone Ranger we grew up with. No, I I I mean bless Army's little heart, but I I, I just don't know. I mean I this is this is a big shock to me. I I just uh, I wish they'd make movies that were movies. I, you know the ones that win. Oh, uh, I'm a member of the Motion Picture Academy. The ones that win are not these big super duper uh, blowing up. Uh, machine things i mean i hate those yeah, things i hate story them. story you know oh and going into that uh planet of uh, krypton and whatever oh i felt like i was in hell i literally <laughs> had to go out into the sunshine and, and get myself cheered up now what is this i mean this and we have enough shootings and killings and everything mm. um on uh, hannibal i watched that and he was shooting and killing and cutting up people and I, I, it's horrible yeah. it's horrible I mean, let's start making movies again, people. I mean, well, let's start making real movies uh, with stories. Uh, they are out there in between, but why do they have to keep making one friggin' blockbuster thing after the other? They they all think this is, well, the mentality, and I, I don't want to put people down, but I wonder about the mentality of the average person out there. You know, everything that's fine and lovely, that's Mozart and beautiful music, and that's fine and beautiful is gone. Art and all the, all of this. This is how I was brought up with. This is what I learned. This is what I steeped myself in. When I went to um, uh, to, to Spain, I, I lived at the Prado. I learned everything. I came back and I studied Spanish. I learned Spanish. I can tell you all about the Spanish artists. I started studying English history. I mean, these things to me are of substance and, and lasting. All this other stuff today. How are they going to write about us another 100 and 200 years from now? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whatever happens. I mean, and everything is so generic and everything is going to be Every, you know, all the things that man, uh, that people, let's say, put in movies that man is, is in mind, let's say. Uh, we had Leonardo da Vinci back there drawing tanks and planes and all that. This is in mind. Now, what is it going to be like? Is everybody going to be going around the bubbles and years from now and, and everything's going to be done uh, uh, with robots? And, and it will be. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because that's what's in mind and that's what's horrible. I'm glad I know that milk comes out of a cow and I took cows to the pasture. <laughs> I mean, I know what it is like to, to put uh, the pig slop in. I, you know, I used to help my grandma. Yeah. I, I picked potatoes out of our farm. I rode the horses, you know, when we were do, picking the hay. I mean, I, I know I know what it's like. I saw when they killed the cows. I mean, I saw them make sausages. I, I mean, they, we lived, my grandma, we lived off the farm. My grandparents sent, sent a box of potatoes to us, when we, our family, when we lived in, in, in Cleveland. A box of potatoes. And my father sent back a card and said, thanks, Ma and Pa, those were some great spuds. Can you imagine today potatoes are nothing? You know, the, the, there's no value anymore. Kids are spoiled. Yeah. The world is, is, the pendulum has swung, Brian, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm I'm just an old fashioned girl. <laughs> <laughs> what about movies? What do you, what is your favorite movie of all time? My favorite movie of all times, I think, is um, Gone with the Wind. Ah, uh, yeah, classic. I I, I think, um, ironically, you know, uh, Peter Whitney was one of uh, uh, was one of uh, his uh, uh, Scarlet suitors. And he, oh, one of my all-time favorite television shows, Peter Whitney played Judge Roy Bean. You can look it up on the, it's called Portrait of a Lady, and I played Lily Langtree, the famous English actress of the 19th century. She died in 1923. I got every book on her. Um, she was the mistress to Edward VII when he was the Prince of Wales. 
And um, one psychic said I was her reincarnated. She was like, she was like of, of the day. She was like the uh, the the, the Angelina Jolie of the day. Uh, although she's not a fashion icon, uh, Lily was a fashion icon. She'd wear a hat. Everybody would copy her hairdo, this and that. She did uh, ads for Scotch oats and pears soap when they didn't even do this sort of thing. Mm -hmm, yeah. And. Um, she was an amazing lady. She ended up in Monte Carlo and dancing with Gigolo. Somerset mom said it was a sad thing to see that beautiful woman ending up dancing with Gigolos in Monte Carlo. You know, she was the toast of England. And I got to play her, and Judge Roy Bean named the town of Vinigaroon after her. And every time I see that episode, I want to cry. I had just done Slattery's People, and um, I was brought in for the second season, and I did the audition at 10 o'clock in the morning, and uh, Dick, I did it with Dick. Uh, and uh, I was hired immediately. He adored me. I played Wendy Winkowski, his secretary. And the day that the show was canceled, my parents were on the set. And Dick was just dying. And my mother had brought a Yugoslavian coffee cake called Potitsa, which is like a brown nut. It's a traditional Slovenian coffee cake. It's like really something like you've never tasted. And Dick felt so bad, you know. But the good part was I went right from there to do Lily Langtree, and I've got this great picture of my mother with Judge Roy Bean, which was Peter Whitney, and me in costume with the big camera on the day of the show. And when my English accent came across the set, there was a big hush, because nobody expected me to come up with the English accent. And I, I, I watched this show, and uh, Judge Roy Bean always wanted to meet Lily. He was fascinated by her the minute he saw her first picture in a magazine. And um, he never met her. He was afraid uh, somehow. So she goes to visit the town, and when she goes there, He'd already died. And she said, oh, that makes me so sad. I wanted so much to meet him. So she leaves him a water fountain. And they said the last thing Judge Roy Bean wanted was a water fountain. So they gave her one of his guns. And, she, and, he, and um, he said the proudest thing that she had was the gun that, that was given to her by the friends of Judge Roy Bean. He was the law west of the Pecos. He was supposed to be the hanging judge and all that. Yes, yes. But according to this episode, if you ever take a look at it, it's just really quite beautiful. That was one of my... I think all, and I started studying about Lily, started studying about Edward VII and English history and, and, and have every book on her life and even wrote a script on it. And hopefully I was going get, to get to make the movie, but then they did it. They did a 13-part uh, episode from England. So, so the V, that's what happens in life. But that was my big dream. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm still waiting for my Prince Charming, but they don't make glass slippers in size 10. But someday my Prince will come, and he's out there. Are you out there, Prince? I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Francine, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. This has been fun. Well, Listen. I certainly talk, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what the people want to hear. They don't want to hear me. They want to hear you. <laughs> uh, well, I certainly hope that um, that everyone enjoys what I have to say. And I, I want to say to all the people out there, uh, fans are important. You know, Joan Crawford was that way. She answered all her fan mail, and I feel that way. And any time any one, one of you come up to me somewhere, I will always give you my autograph, and I just love you all. Francine York, it's amazing how many things she has done in movies and on TV over the years. I want to thank her so much for taking the time to talk to us and sharing her stories with us. Next week, we're going to have another fascinating guest coming your way, so I hope you'll join us then. Be sure to tell a friend. Remember, we are working on getting 100,000 people a day listening to On Screen and Beyond, going to our website and uh, getting us you know, more and more people. So share it with somebody. Tell them about it. Tell them to uh, go to onscreenandbeyond.com and uh, just look and see. 
if they go to our rerun section, I, I almost guarantee that somebody will find an actor or an actress or a musician or somebody that they would love to hear about and hear their story. And it's right there at On Screen and Beyond, and we keep adding more and more. We're up to 272 shows. And on our 300th show, or by our 300th show, I would really like to be able to uh, tell publicists that we have had over 100,000 people listening a day to On Screen and Beyond. So um, tell a friend. Get the word out. And uh, like I say, I thank all of you who in the last two weeks have worked on that and actually increased our uh, our uh, listeners and our clicks and everything going to On Screen and Beyond. So uh, that helps us out, and we hope we can keep going and increase that enough so we can get over that 100,000 mark uh, in a day. So, let's see. If you have a suggestion, email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting that person on for you. And um, that's about it. Uh, you know, uh, if you're going to be doing any shopping and you go to onscreenandbeyond.com and you see one of our sponsors, uh, that also will help the show out if you can go ahead and if you're going to do shopping there anyways. I don't want somebody doing something special. But if you're going to do shopping anyways... At one of our sponsors, you know, they have ads on our site. Just go there and click on that ad, and it'll go to their site, and you're not going to do anything different than, than you normally would. It'll just take you there, but they will know that you came from our site, and we'll get a little credit for that. It'll help out the show, and you don't have to do anything special, so we'd appreciate that. Like I say, I wouldn't want you to do anything extra, uh, but uh, just do that, and it'll help out the show without doing anything different. So, uh Thank you for doing that, those of you who have done it. And uh, emails, love hearing from you. I've had a lot of people sending emails, and I really appreciate all the uh, the, the good words that people are saying. And, uh, you know, if you've got bad words, too, you can send those, too. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we do appreciate the good words. So, anyways, that's a wrap. That's a wrap for this week. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs> Thank you.